Well, good morning, church. Welcome to Sunrise on this beautiful day. We were just talking a little while ago with the team at... I feel like today it's, it's a, it was a beautiful ride in this morning. The snow stuck on all the trees, but it was like the perfect winter morning because the roads were still great. So that was it's like the perfect winter morning for us all. I think that might change later this week, but that's okay because it's it's January, so and it's Michigan. But welcome to to worship. We're excited to sing with you today, to hear God's voice, to to listen to Him. Um, why don't we start this start this off this morning with with praying? Why don't you pray with me? <clears throat> Oh God, we thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for the snow and just your beautiful creation. And thank you for this time this morning that we can focus our attention on you today, Jesus. And set our gaze upon you. Pray that the busyness and distractions of the week may fade away as we set our sights on you. God, may we sense your presence this morning. May we just, uh, God, we just invite your Holy Spirit to move in the sanctuary this morning as we worship, as we sing, may you be glorified by our worship and pleased by what you hear. We, God, we just sing these songs as, a, as an incense to you. Um, God, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Let's worship God this morning. Yeah. 
ne pas vedant. no higher name Jesus you reign above it all let all of heaven and the earth erupt in song sing hallelujah to the everlasting one there is no higher name Jesus you reign above it all
as I was uh, preparing for these songs this week, it's just, um, this verse in Psalm just kind of screamed out to me this, this week. So I want to read it to you before we move into a time of prayer. Um, David says in Psalm 28, the Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust in him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. So I just feel like David's heart in this in this psalm, in this verse, um, just overflows with gratitude, overthrows, overthrows with thankfulness. And what we just sang in that bridge, come on my soul, oh don't you get shy on me, lift up your song, because you've got a line inside of these lungs, get up and praise the Lord. I think uh, the writer of this song was kind of channeling David's thoughts and feelings in that verse. So um, I thought we could just spend a few minutes in prayer. Um, Expressing our gratitude and thankfulness to God. Um, I know we, we've done this from time to time, but it's, I think it's so good for us just to hit the pause button um, and focus our thoughts on God. Is that, honestly, our weeks are super busy sometimes, and it's, it's so easy to forget to just hit the pause button and, and pray and be quiet and silent. So why don't we just do that for a few minutes? Just think about God's blessings in your life and how you can be grateful and express your thankfulness to Him this morning. So let's just do that for a few minutes. some of us it may be easy to to search within the well of thankfulness and gratefulness and love that we have for you and some might be a little bit difficult this morning but God I thank you that whatever journey we may be on this morning we can say thank you thank you for saving us thank you for displaying your love on the cross Jesus for one of each one of us Thank you for song that we can sing that the words that we can flow off our lips the scripture that we sing to you pray that it would be pleasing to you this morning god that you received it god we just love you so much thank you for this morning in jesus name we pray amen you guys can take a seat
Good morning, Sunrise. Thank you, Priest Team, for that great start to this postcard morning here in Michigan. It's a great morning. So, my name is Byron. I'm one of the forces of nature that roams around here and uh, sometimes gets to come up and do this. Okay, so, a uh, big thing for Sunrise right now is the upcoming profession of faith and baptism class, which is going to start two weeks from today. Classes are going to be held right here at church, right after the service. So if you'd like to sign up for that, you can do that through our website, sunrisemen.org. So we'd love to have you. And uh, I think there's a need for mentors still. Some? Sure. So yeah, if you'd like to help out with that, talk to Dennis or Corey or Julie. Okay. So, wine and theology, or as we call it at our house, wine, women, and song, um, is, gonna, is, is going to be held in February. It got canceled for this coming week, but it's going to be held in February. Jessica is going to do it on February 13th. My suggestion for the topic is remedial training for men on how to handle the next day on the calendar, which is Valentine's Day. All right, I, I could use some of that, Mary. I'm, I'm serious. All right, so small groups are going to start up again here in the winter and spring quarter. And so if you'd like to be part of a small group, um, they're called Sabbath small groups because the topic is going to be on how we should celebrate Shabbat. Okay, so we'll be starting those here in a couple of weeks, so please sign up. I think you probably can do it through the website or just write a sticky note and put it on Julie's desk. <laughs> All right, Corey, youth group night, game night, January 14th. Awesome. It's going to be fun. So it's a week from tonight? It is. Sweet. Cool. All right. And a new women's Bible study coming up starts January 10th. Is this you, Carol? Yeah, okay, all right. So it'll be every other Wednesday evening at 7 here at church. They'll be studying when you pray, six prayers in the Bible. So you can sign up using the link on the website. So they ask these, guys, these people to come up and do these announcements and say, talk about the offering. Tell, remind people that we accept their offerings. Now, that does make an assumption that you don't have anything against anyone here at church. Because if you did, you'd have to go to them and make amends before you can put in your offering. But if you're good, if you're clean, please help us out. It's part of how we support the ministries, not only here at Sunrise, but around the world. Various groups that we're engaged with, we hope that you'll be a part of that. All right. So we take a three-minute break right now. My challenge is go find somebody that you don't know their name. Now, don't swarm all the newcomers that are here today, but try to make it a point in our three-minute break to find somebody you haven't met before or don't know their first name and say hi. We like to connect here at Sunrise, so that's a part of that. Now, kids... I hope you've had skedaddle training because it's time to skedaddle out to kids group. Okay? All right. All right, everybody. If you could find your way back to your seats. We're going to reconvene. Hope you were able to meet somebody that you didn't know their name. I actually thought I was going to, uh, I, th I actually thought this morning that you might not know my name. Griffin, my buddy who was sitting up here with me, at some point through the worship service, took off his name tag and put it on my chest. <laughs> Right? And at the end, I'm like, hey, buddy, you got to take this. He's like, nope. <laughs> and uh, I finally got him to, to take it, praise the Lord. But I thought I was going to have to introduce myself as the guest speaker, Griffin Heisen, this morning. So, uh, so good to be back. Uh, thanks to, big thanks to Corey and Lindsay for holding down the fort uh, last week. Really appreciate that. Um, it is really nice to have a deep bench of folks that we can uh, trust that, um, right, to, to not spout too much heresy, at least I hope not, um, while I'm away, so I appreciate it. I'm looking at you, Bill, when I say the not too much <laughs> heresy. 
Today, my friends, is the first Sunday of Epiphany. Um, and for those of you that were raised uh, in sort of a more uh, confessing or traditional church, you, you'll, you'll realize what this is. Those of you that were raised in like low church like me, you'll be like, Dennis, what in the world does having a big bright idea have to do with the church? Uh, Epiphany is a season during the church calendar that we've celebrated for centuries that comes right after Advent. And so some of you may know this, but the last couple of days we have finished up the 12 days of Christmas. Yes, a real thing. And the 12 days of Christmas aren't the days leading up to Christmas, but they're actually uh, follow after Christmas. And the season that the church calendar enters into right after Advent is the season called Epiphany. And today is the first Sunday. But the question that I think we have to answer before we can sort of get into today's message is, well, what do we think of when we hear the word epiphany? Well, I I think if you're like me, most of us, we, we think of a bright idea. The sudden perception or illumination when something dawns on us or we, 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 we have this illumination that we've never had before, we, we think of something that is a hoped-for reality. Now, now, now I've got to confess, I confess a lot of stuff to you guys, but one of the things, I'm, I'm going to confess a lot today. Um, c- can I confess to you that I think my ideas are better than most people's ideas. (laughs) Is that fair, right? Is that part of being human? Like, I know I must be right. I hear that. I know I must be right because if I was wrong, I would change my mind. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, several years ago. About 15 years ago, I found this butte in the corner of a closet in Amy's folks' house. And I have to tell you, friends, that I, I, I don't think I've been more excited. Like, as a child waking up on Christmas morning, I wasn't more excited than the day that I was when I was rummaging through. And I don't know why I was in the closet of the former bedroom, childhood bedroom of my brother-in-law in my in-law's house. I don't know what I was looking for or why I was searching. But when I came across this banjo, my friends, it is not an exaggeration to tell you that I have never coveted anything more in my life. I was over the moon. Um, and And... And when I went and started to inquire of, of to whom this piece of bluegrass glory belonged, I found out that it was a Christmas gift many, many years prior uh, from my in-laws to my, my brother-in-law. And he hadn't touched it in a long time. And it had been, again, for years gathering dust in the corner of his childhood bedroom. And... Um, my dreams came true that day when Chris said, well, Dennis, you can have that banjo if you, you wanted. It's done nothing but collect dust for probably over a decade. And my excitement was only matched by, by Amy's exasperation. <laughs> now see, here's what I thought and here's what she thought. See, she didn't think I needed another instrument taking up room in our tiny house in Mount Vernon, Ohio. She didn't think I would learn to play this banjo. She thought the only thing that would change would be the house in which this banjo collected dust. Well, I've got to tell you, she didn't understand my inspiration. She didn't understand my determination. The moment that I encountered this admittedly cheap but undeniably beautiful piece of bluegrass glory. The moment that it came into my possession, I knew that in just a few short years, I'd be playing it for my own enjoyment and for the delight of others. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Following in the footsteps, following in the footsteps of the master himself, the godfather and the inventor of the Scruggs-style banjo, the late, great Earl Scruggs. I would regale my friends and family with my own version of the Foggy Mountain Breakdown. 
for the Foggy Mountain Special. I'd play the old standard role in my sweet baby's arms. I would, I would play salty dog blues to the delight of friends and family. My grandmother would swoon as I played the ballad of Jed Clampett. And my personal favorite, my version of when I left East Virginia would be changed to represent the true nature of my life because I would change the lyrics to when I left Virginia. That's right. You see, here's what I insisted to myself and to others. After I finish my doctorate, I'm going to learn to play the bluegrass banjo. It's only a matter of time. You see, I had a big idea. I had a bright idea. Some might say a delusion. <laughs> I had what many of us might think of as an epiphany that day, but it really wasn't an epiphany at all because I had a dream. A dream that has yet to come true. <laughs> Because as you can tell from this dusty case, what this banjo has done for the last many years. No. <laughs> is collected dust. <laughs> in the corner of a closet. In the basement of a little house on Englehurst Drive. If you would like to see, uh, if you would like to see the photo of what appears beside smug superiority in the dictionary, you can look at Amy's face right now. <laughs> you see, friends, the, the problem is, though, the English word epiphany doesn't mean just to have a bright idea. It, it, it comes, it comes from, the, from, from the Greek and it means to appear or to manifest. You see, I had a dream, but the reality is I didn't have an epiphany because I've not done anything about the dream. I've not done anything about that which was hoped for. I, I saw, um, actually it was this, this past week, I saw that it was seven years ago seven years ago when I received my dissertation in the mail. And yet, the dream has still, as of yet, been unrealized. No, I, I didn't have an epiphany that day, my friends, because, well, epiphany isn't a hope. It's not an aspiration. It's not an anticipation, but it's an arrival. It's not a dream. It's a, not a vision, but it's an appearance. It's, it's the embodiment of hope. It's the reality that corresponds with the abstract. It means that something has come to being or to life. Epiphany, my friends, marks a time in the Christian calendar where we remember the manifestation of Jesus into this world. It's a time where we celebrate the fact that the wild branch of the family of God has been grafted in that God has shown up and it has made an eternal difference to those of us who are connected not biologically through the seed of Abraham but spiritually through faith in Jesus to God's family. Epiphany is one of the most ancient Christian seasons that we celebrate. Tracing its roots back to the 4th century. And it's a time where we remember. We remember that God has put on flesh. It's a time where we remember that he has shown up. He has appeared. That the aspirational and the hoped for. Has become reality. Today, today we're going to take just a few minutes and we're going to look at 
at Matthew chapter 2, and, and, and we're going to, to sort of focus on the Magi who came to, to Jesus and Joseph and Mary as they were in Bethlehem. And we're, we're going to attempt to remember and to celebrate the hope that we have as that wild branch, as Gentiles who have been grafted into God's family, those adopted saints of God. We're, we're going to, to attempt to encounter with fresh eyes and open hearts the Christ child who has changed everything. We're, we're going to consider... How our faithfulness can outlive and outlast our existence and loves. Matthew chapter 2, um, verses 1 through, through 12, but specifically here we're going to look at these first couple of verses. Um, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of, the king, of king Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. The, the text goes on and says several other things, but I want us to... to, to remain here in these first couple of verses. But, but just let, let me read um, the rest of the story that's probably familiar to most of us. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet, uh, prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may worship him. Spoiler alert, he's not planning on doing any such thing. After they had heard the king, they went their way and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route." This all too familiar story begins with a simple word, the word after. My friends, manifestation and appearance always comes after. After a time of waiting. After a time of anticipation. After God had spoken to Abram and made promises to him. After God had come to David. After God had brought judgment to Israel through the exile. After he had reestablished them and brought them back out of exile. After the temple had been rebuilt. After the angel had come to Mary. After Mary had gone to stay with Elizabeth and Zachary. Zachariah, after Joseph finds out that she's pregnant and is assured by the angel that it is God's doing, after Caesar issues a decree that there will be a census taken and forces people to go back to the city of their ancestors, after this young couple travels from northern Israel to Bethlehem, after no room is found for them in the inn, after a baby is born in the most humble circumstances imaginable after the shepherds come to see him. After God announces the birth of his son in the heavens in fulfillment of the prophecy found in Numbers 24, chapter 24, verse 17. After all of these things... These magi see his star. The thing I want us to remember this morning 
The first thing I want us to remember this morning is, is this, is that sometimes, my friends, we hope and pray and seek and trust for a long time before God shows up and what is anticipated for arrives. Sometimes it's more about a long obedience in the same direction. Sometimes, sometimes we even hope to the end of our days before we see God's faithfulness arrive. Poppy Harrison was a fixture uh, in church in my, my early life. Poppy was, I don't know, I was, I was a small boy, probably four, five, six years old, um, when, when Poppy was around and he sat in the front row, right in the corner where I sit, situated in the sanctuary every morning. The difference was Poppy was roughly 872 years old. At least that's what it looked like to me. He always wore the same red leisure suit every Sunday. And Poppy always had a pocket full of candy. And so the kids would run up and we would greet Poppy and he would pull out candy and give it to us. This, this was back in so, right, so you don't take candy from strangers, but you did take candy from Poppy Harris. Um, and, and Poppy prayed for all of his all of his adult life for his his children and specifically he prayed for his youngest son Donald and his wife Evelyn that they would give their lives to Christ you see to me Poppy was an old man in a red suit who was functionally deaf who really couldn't hear anything if if Poppy was asked to dismiss in prayer someone who was sitting just behind him had to lean up and yell in his ear Poppy was a, a loud talker because of his deafness and um, he, he, there were no secrets around Poppy Poppy's whisper was something like this <laughs> and Poppy went to be with the Lord never seeing the answer to his prayer. His boy that he prayed for to trust Jesus never in Poppy's lifetime surrendered to the work of the Spirit of God in his life. It was about a year after Poppy's passing, Donald and Evelyn showed up to church. It was a little... A little after that period of time that Donald and Evelyn surrendered and gave their lives to Christ. I was there to see what Poppy never was able to experience in this life. I was able to see the change that happened in his youngest son and his youngest son's wife when the Spirit of God finally ran them down. When the answer to Puppy's long prayer was yes. Years after Donald came to know the Lord, he was giving his testimony in church one night and he spoke about the conviction of the Holy Spirit and how just as Poppy was a loud talker in church he was a loud prayer at home and Poppy lived with Donald and Evelyn for the last decade or so of his life and Donald would recount every night laying in bed or sitting in his easy chair listening as his father begged his father for Donald's heart and his soul. You see, sometimes, friends, we, we don't get to see everything that we pray for or desire. Sometimes it's after. After our time on earth, after we think hope has run out, after we are exhausted and given up, but after is always the time that Jesus arrives. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. Why is this important? It's important because God had promised the prophet Micah that Bethlehem would be the place, the house of bread would be the place where God would accomplish and fulfill the prophecy that, that was given. 
it was amazing how God did this and how he orchestrated this, um, this, this arrival because it wasn't through cleverly designed religious means. God got Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem through a governmental decree. It wasn't through the nation of Israel that forced Joseph and his soon-to-be to Bethlehem. He used a secular and a hostile emperor to accomplish his purposes. And my friends, this, this reminds me of something that I think is especially true and needs to be especially true for us in this season is that God's hands are not tied even when the world seems to be spinning out of control. He is still at work and it may not work out the way we think it may not work out the way we want and sometimes sometimes it's really hard to see and it's really hard to grasp last week I'm not sure of the day I can't remember everything is runs together but um one of Caleb's high school friends and one of his college roommates suffered a heart attack. 23, 24. Mike, 23, 24, do you know? Just at the beginning. While Caleb and Alex were on their honeymoon in Costa Rica, we got the word that last week Keegan passed away. Honestly, my friends, I can't imagine what the Fisher family is going through or what they're facing right now. Yesterday, Amy was reading a, a post from Keegan's mom, and I just, I had to throw up my hands and just say, nope, not, no, I can't. I can't hear this just yet because in those moments, right, in certain moments, our, our theology may be big enough to handle these things, but our heart and our head are less equipped. You see, God's hands are not tied. God is always at work. We believe this. We believe that he is good, but sometimes it's hard and dare I even say impossible to see in those dark moments. But when those times come, when those times come, we remember, we remember that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We remember that God remains faithful and that if we give him time, he will show his faithfulness. We'll be able to see and embrace the fact that he has not and will not abandon us even in the midst of life's darkest days that he is capable of turning beauty for ashes. That after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, God's hands are not tied, but we also live in a world where it seems like everyone is afraid. Specifically, as we enter 2024, welcome to an election year. Glad you're here. <laughs> We're afraid of what will happen if our preferred candidate doesn't get elected to office. Take courage in this. Herod was not Israel's preferred candidate for king. He was a non-Israelite installed by the Romans to rule in Judea. He tries to eliminate Jesus by killing all the babies under two. His son is responsible for beheading John the baptizer. He wasn't the most friendly of rulers. But even in this space and even in this time... God is still at work, accomplishing his will, working his plan, being faithful in the after. 
You see, my friends, I'm, I'm reminded that God is not intimidated, nor are his plans thwarted by human rulers, even ones who seek to do him or his people harm. During the time, because during the time of Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. These were, these were probably Zoroastrian priests, academics, political advisors. They, they were Persian, people from modern day Iran. They, they were educated, they were wealthy, they were elite. And somehow, some way, they were aware that there was a coming king of the Jews. That there was a prophecy that one day Messiah, the anointed one, would come. That he would set all things right. That he would sit on the throne of David. That he would adjudicate justly. They, they were aware of these prophecies. And I can't help but wonder how on earth did these men from the east know what was going on? How did they have enough knowledge to read the signs in the stars? To understand what God was communicating in this Moment, and I think it was because there was at one point a faithful person whose faith outlived him. The word magi comes from the Greek word magus, and this isn't the only time that it's used in the scriptures, actually, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament this known as the Septuagint the, the word magus is used several times and it's used several times in the book of Daniel specifically in Daniel chapter 5 verse 11 and in Daniel chapter 5 verse 11 Daniel was called the chief of the magi wait what Daniel was one of these people Daniel, the one who was faithful. Daniel, the one who lost everything, who lost his place, who lost his home, who, who lost his means of worship, who lost everything when he was carried away into Babylonian captivity. He lost everything but his identity as a child of God. And because of his faithfulness, because of, of his faithfulness and the faithfulness of his friends... They did their work as, as bureaucrats. They did their work as academics. They did their work as, as political advisors. They did their work in all of these things. But because they said no to the king's meat, they retained their identity. Because they stood up and said, I won't stop praying and prayed with the windows open. Because those three friends of Daniel's looked Nebuchadnezzar in the eyes and said, we don't need to defend ourselves for you. Our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not worship your image there was seeds sown in this foreign land seeds of hope and anticipation seeds of faith that there would be an after an after that would contain life and restoration and hope And the reality that faithful manifestation can outlive a faithful person. They came and they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? You see, here's the thing. Because Daniel never lost his identity. Because his friends never lost their identity. These foreign men knew the identity of Jesus. They discovered his existence through faithfulness. And they stood on the backs of the faithful they discovered his existence through engagement and inspection of the natural world. But they did so and were able to do so only because there was someone in their orbit that pointed them towards Jesus. Even though he didn't know that Jesus was Jesus. <laughs> but Daniel had faith that after... After what he hoped for would appear and would be manifest. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. 
You see, friends, God communicated to these men through the physical world, but they only knew to watch and to listen. They only knew to look so that they might see, to listen so that they might hear God's message because there was someone who was faithful, who lived in front of them. And generation after generation after generation, it was handed down. They saw the message because they looked with eyes who were willing to see it. They looked with hope. Because someone had lived in front of them and pointed them toward the truer and the better that was yet to come. And because of this, because there was someone in their lives that manifested hope for them, they were able to encounter the manifested Christ the real Christ. It wasn't just a hope for aspiration. It wasn't just a dream. It wasn't just something that they hoped to get around to. It happened, well, because Christ showed up and he closed the distance. As the worship team comes this morning to, to lead us in our, in our final song, One of the biggest things I was reminded of as I, I looked at this, this passage this week, you guys, was the fact that we, we make a difference even when we don't know it. We make a difference by being faithful in particular moments. By loving well, by pointing people toward the cross. I, I got a Facebook message um, two nights ago from a former student I had over a decade ago at, at Cornerstone and, and, and basically the message just went something like this. It's like, you know, hey Dr. Moses, this is Hannah. Hey, thanks for loving us well and pointing us towards Jesus. I've been able to hang in there. Sometimes. Sometimes, my friends, we just have to remember that even in the midst of uncertainty and even in the midst of, of, of loss and pain and struggle is that the meaning of epiphany is that after, after we hope we can see and experience the appearance and the manifestation of Christ. So be his representatives in the world in which you live. Point people toward him. Call them toward his direction. Be his hands, his feet, his mouthpiece. When you see the gospel in the world around you, call it out and point people toward it. In the midst of your disappointment and your tiredness, keep praying. Keep asking. Keep seeking. You may not see the, the prodigal come home. But God is still good. And God still longs for relationship with all of us. Still seek. Because your prayer, 45 years down the road, after you've gone to be with the Lord and after your youngest son who you prayed for all those years has gone to be with the Lord, maybe a generation removed from your prayer, it still might make a difference. For someone who sits in a seat where you sat, who attempts to point people in the right direction, that the hoped for thing can arrive, that broken hearts can be mended, that redemption and resurrection might be seen even when you have to say goodbye and let go of your 23-year-old son. That God is still at work. And if your heart and your head isn't quite big enough 
to contain all this, it's okay. Because he can be trusted with your hopes and your fears and your doubts because he is more than just a bright idea or a dream. He's a steadfast hope that has arrived and is coming again. So Father, we pray now for these friends. We pray that you would meet us in the spaces that we, we need you to come and meet us in. Lord, we pray that you would give us hope and courage and peace. Hope for the after. Peace in the presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
often, I feel like for most of us, we, we kind of walk through our lives and we, we feel like that we're just making it through day by day and we don't feel like that we're really making a difference. But be encouraged today, my friends, that those small acts of obedience each and every day do and can make a difference as you live for Christ and Christ alone, as you worship Him, not just by what you say, but by what you do, the kindness you show to the least of these, that can and will outlive you. For God is not just God of the past. He is not just God of the present. He is God of the after. And I can't wait to see what he will do. So may you go in his peace, in his love, luxuriating in the fact that he has shown up because he loves you. Amen? Amen. Go in peace.